0: Yeah, so I was coaching him on algorithmic strategies, right? So like he kind of developed his own system that worked for his brand. Like there are general truths that change constantly, right? Is like this is how the algorithm is working today. I usually always say what works for one artist is probably not going to work for the other. You have to f- learn the rules, exist within the rules, but create your own system. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. So so so, so let me <laughs> so let me see if I understand this because you're blowing my mind right now, Ryan. And and you're yeah, like yeah. We're, we're, I'm gonna I, like there's a thousand things that you just said that I would just want to go like super deep on. episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out distrokid.com. What's going on? Welcome to The New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in The New Music Business. The book, third edition, is out everywhere now. Audio, ebook, hardcover—however you like to consume books—you can find it now. Today, my guest is Ryan Vaughn. He is actually the husband of Jessica Vaughn, who was on last week's episode. I had both of them on because they are—they're a power couple in the industry, and they both are uh, doing incredible things on the business side of the new music business. And uh, you heard from Jess last week. They're both, and the thing is, is they both kind of started as uh, touring musicians, as as artists. Jess is a a singer and a songwriter and was a a, a pop artist and, and Ryan uh, was a touring drummer. He doesn't really do that much anymore, but he he's drummed or played with artists. Like um, let me pull up this list here. Aloe black and Ryan Cabrera and Tony Luca and Tyler Hilton, Teddy Geiger, Hugh Jackman. He was on the, um, the greatest showman soundtrack actually. Um, BB Rexa. He was in Katie Couric's house band for her daytime talk show, Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. Uh, He is now uh, the label manager for Headbitch Records, and he is also a a manager, an artist manager. And today, what we really focused on, because uh, as kind of running this indie uh, label-ish thing, he said "label in name only," and he's going to discuss that a little bit more. um, But as an artist manager as well. He has figured out how to hack Spotify. He has kind of hacked the Spotify algorithm and TikTok to an extent. We talk about that uh, kind of towards the end. So make sure you stick around till the end for that. Um, but really, we spent a lot of the time discussing how much he has learned about Spotify over the last few years and how to grow exponentially. On Spotify. And and there's there's a system that you can hack and you can game and he has hacked it and he has gamed it in a in a completely legal way that it completely follows Spotify's terms and conditions. So this is not uh, one of these systems, uh, you know, using bots or anything like that. Uh, Absolutely never, never pay anybody who's going to inflate your streams artificially. Uh, that is a big no-no, and that will get you removed from Spotify. The reason that none of of his artists really have, have been removed from Spotify is because this is all done legitimately. Legitimately meaning following Spotify's terms and conditions. He's doing it exactly the way that Spotify wants it to be done. So you can basically follow this blueprint, if you want. And theoretically, you'll have the kind of success that a lot of uh, his artists have had, which is hundreds of 1000s, if not millions of monthly listeners. Uh, One artist that we spent a lot of time talking about has uh, a million streams a month. Um, And you you know, you can do the math, that's that's 1000s of dollars a month, Uh, just from Streaming Reverend. And that's just kind of one of these artists' uh, projects. So uh, really fascinating. I learned a ton from this. I always, I've known Ryan um, for a while and we've used, uh, one of my artists that I manage um, used Headbitch Music for for kind of distribution via video. And we talk about that a little bit. And so it's always fun to catch up with him. And this time it was on record. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this episode Uh, He revealed a lot of secrets, a lot of things you're going to want to take notes, because I guarantee you're going to have a lot of light bulb moments throughout this episode. And it's it's very exciting. Now, you can find uh, Ryan Vaughn on the socials. Uh, Backline Creative is the management company. Uh, Head Bitch Music is the the label. Uh, Mostly it's it's run by him and Jess, uh, Jessica Vaughn. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram TikTok. Uh, what is it called now? X? Twitter? I, I don't know. Are we going to still use X? Twitter? I can't. I don't know what it's called anymore. Um, but we're on Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> at least. Uh, I, we, and threads, I, I suppose. Uh, I haven't decided. I don't know about X or Twitter. But anyway, uh, you can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram um, and threads and visit ariestake.com, get on the email list that is where uh regardless of what happens with all these social media sites uh they come and go and change names uh clearly uh but the email list is tried and true so if you want to stay in touch if you want to be on the list to get sent out the most relevant current information about the new music business get on that email list arestake.com all right let's kick into the show ryan vaughn welcome to the show
0: all right what's up my man thanks
1: for having me yeah yeah uh this is great this is the uh this is the Vaughn month uh last week we had your wife um and now we get you this is great I've never I've never had a a husband and wife duo uh interviewed back to back actually never had both a husband and wife on the show ever so uh this is this is fantastic so uh she she it was an incredible episode so you have a lot to live up to very big shoes to fill but Uh, I'm confident. Story of my life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, similarly to to Jess, um, you know, you wear so many different hats uh, in the industry. And as like starting um, as a a drummer, I guess, kind of like a a touring uh, session cat, um, and now evolved into more in the kind of the, business side, uh, as an artist manager, uh, label manager. Um, if I'm curious if you just like, as you are right now, give us a little bit of your day to day. What are you focusing on these days? Primarily tell, tell me like, just, yeah. What are what are you doing
0: these days? <laughs> I mean, perfect timing. We just had our company offsite. I don't know if Jess mentioned that, but like we uh all the all two employees, me and her, ah. <laughs> sent we sent ourselves to like a, a like sequestered ourselves to like a hotel room in Palm Springs and like she she meant business. She had a uh every day planned out and like we went through everything and and can answered all these questions. So cool. uh yeah, right now it feels like it's my life is professionally 50% on the, the releasing distro label imprint stuff and 50% managing. Okay. Um, that takes up pretty much all my time. So head, like our company is called HeadBitch Music. That is the parent company. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a lot of people listening might know, it's not cheap to incorporate in California. So my management company is a DBA yeah. off of the S Corp until uh, we can justify splitting the two into separate companies. Um, so everything is under one roof right now. Uh, so we operate as a custom music company, so uh, when you can kind of put sync in that category we mm-hmm. we started as a custom music company. We do a lot of uh, custom music for corporate partners such as Hasbro, Paramount Viacom, mm-hmm. Fox, uh, and some other like miscellaneous uh, children's toys. Mm-hmm. and then I have my management company where I manage about eight independent artists. And then we have the distro label side. Mm -hmm. So I joke and call it the label and name only. Yeah. uh, Because we're not actually signing anything to termed agreements. Uh, It's a need that we identified during the pandemic that has helped us scale very quickly. Um, So we release a lot of music. like We're averaging 10 to 20 releases a week. Wow. Uh, And it's mostly friends and family, I would say. Half of them are not priority. A lot of them are long-term algorithmic strategic releases. What does that mean? Instrumental projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a great example is we work with a a friend of mine from New York. Uh, he's a keyboard player.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was like, in the pandemic, I don't want to go back to playing wedding gigs. He's got two kids. Uh-huh. He lives in New York City. He's like, I just can't see myself doing it for another 10 years. And yep. so he, heard, I had been talking about the release stuff. And kind of talking about algorithmic strategies and he's like well i got this idea so he does solo piano reductions of pop songs right so it doesn't cost him anything it's like midi piano in his home studio Mm -hmm. um he does all the processing i think he spends like an annual subscription on lander so he masters them himself creates his own artwork um and branded it as the chillest which was like his punny kind of like dad meme thing where it's like I'm going to do a bunch of Taylor Swift covers. So it'll be the chillest Taylor Swift, uh-huh. the chillest Elton John. And so Isn't that was kind of the like band name? A, was
1: the artist name the chillest? Or is that the, yeah? The chillest,
0: yes. The brand, it's the brand name and the album name and now his label entity. So we started growing that. We started with like nothing, right? Okay. And then now he's... We got to, I think he peaked at like 250,000 monthly listeners when Discovery Mode was really working. Okay. Um, But he's probably hovering around 200,000 monthly listeners. Yeah. He's getting a million streams a month. He's had little to no editorial. He uh, spends, he does like Ari's take level like ad stuff on Facebook. He does like, I think he took the class. And I think he does like $5 a day and had built, he like combined like the Ari's take stuff with the shark attack stuff. The shark attack stuff, meaning he started building thematic playlists to support his own releases. So he has like a Disney bedtime playlist. He has like uh, your favorite nineties playlist, right? And it's all songs that he's done in these themes. And then he builds the playlist on his, uh, the chillest profile as a user. Okay. And so he has essentially third-party playlists that he owns and controls that he can ensure there's little to no bots. And he's mm-hmm. just been growing this thing. To, and he got to a point where it's like, yeah, he's got, like three to 400 songs now on Spotify under the chillest. It's generating over a million streams a month now. And then he took all the principles, turned it into like a formula and launched four other monikers. (laughs) Like he now has rainy day piano, which is Uh the brand and the name of the record. Right. So it'd be like, uh, Taylor Swift. He's he's covering a, a blank space by Taylor Swift. It'll be mm-hmm. the chillest version. And then there's that rainy day piano version where he just takes the, the already existing MIDI samples and just processes them differently. Cause there's all these like niche, uh, these niche demands algorithmically on Spotify. Like I think he launched a uh, which is his lo-fi version where he yeah. does like lo-fi versions of the pre-existing MIDI samples. So he doesn't have to create a new sample or he doesn't have to create a new MIDI version of the song. He takes the the one he did initially and just processes it differently, and releases it, and so he's scaling those now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, faster. hold on, hold on,
1: hold on, so, so, so let, me just, <laughs> let me see if I understand this, because you're blowing my mind right now, Ryan, and, and you're yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're, I'm gonna, I, like, there's a thousand <laughs> things that you just said that I would just want to go, like, super deep on, but just just so I understand this this part, you're saying the arrangement that he played on MIDI, he processed it one way in, like, the just a, 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 a grand piano sound or something exported that and that's the relaxing piano mix under the taylor swift thing now the identical midi file he just exported it as like a harpsichord or or whatever or it's like a different sound and then you and then you you i think it's a different sound
0: different maybe more reverb maybe he adds like a like the rainy day one he 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 took like a, a rain sample one day in staten island and like throws it mixes it in the background that's the rainy day piano version But it's because there's a whole subculture of like rain samples on Spotify where you can put on, you know, maybe it's like the brown noise stuff where it's like you can just put on a rain playlist and it's quite literally rain samples for hours. And now people are combining like (laughs) instrumentals with the rain samples and releasing like the rain version. Like I experienced this through a whole like a children's project and I had no idea that it even existed. And then I went down that rabbit hole and it was like, there's a whole world down here.
1: <laughs> I mean, I just I'm as you're as you're talking about this, I'm clicking through on on his Spotify uh, profile. And I'm like scrolling down to, you know, the discovered on which is all of the playlists he discovered on. And, and you know, there's the Taylor Swift piano covers, which is by relaxing piano covers, uh, which I'm assuming is him. That's his his playlist, right? Or maybe
0: not. Yes. Yeah. OK, that. that's that's all his.
1: And right. Cause there's then on this playlist, it's relaxing piano covers is the artist, but there's also the chillest is the artist. There's also relaxing piano covers is another artist. There's also Paul Hankinson covers. Uh,
0: so he's, so he, he, he's, he took like, so we call it, the, I call it the shark attack stuff. Right. So like he goes and he,
1: what does shark attack mean? What does so that shark
0: mean? attack is uh a, it's a company fe- owned and founded by my friend, Madeline Elise. So sh- okay. they are a digital marketing company. Right. So like, Okay. They kind of introduced me to this idea where like, you know, there's a, it's really difficult if you're running direct ads to a track or a release on Spotify yep. to draw a direct correlation between ad spend and stream, right? So like, because right. uh, Spotify is not going to give you that data. They're not going to tell you like, oh, all of these streams came from that ad. Totally. So they essentially threw a playlist in between because you can yep. see all the streams that are coming from that playlist right zero on the playlist and you run ads to build a followers on your playlist. Yes. Then you, when you start putting music on it, you can, you'll have a much closer correlation to how many streams are coming to your releases from those ads. Oh, totally. Go ahead. So he cross pollinated with other people in his space that he wanted to know. So he's like, man, I I know this piano player who does relaxing piano covers out of Germany. And so, like, they were getting on, like, quarterly calls just to uh, compare notes on, like, releasing on Spotify. Yeah. And so, Jason would be like, I'll add you to a bunch of my playlists if you add me to a bunch of yours. Brilliant. He started building this community.
1: And making sure that those were not botted playlists. Because you mentioned this before where you're like, he started a lot of these playlists. I mean, I've done this. uh, I've done the same thing. I I have this playlist uh, called Low Volume Funk. Um, We're at about 60,000 followers on the playlist. You know, I've been building it up over the last five years or something. And, you know, I started it uh, basically in like a Wolfpack fan club Facebook group. Uh, And I like got the initial like (laughs) 2,000 followers just from that because it was whatever. It's a long story. But like I got, you know, and then, of course, I was running ads directly to that playlist to build it. You know, of course, never um, inflated it with bots. But like you said, like, so uh, this is all really Crazy. Um, and, and I'm sure people's minds are being blown right now. And I want to I wanna slow down a little bit because for sure. uh, this is a brand new concept for a lot of people. Um, just to clarify, this artist, the chillest, your friend, uh, what's his name? Jason. Jason. Okay. So this is what we would consider or what has been considered in the past, a quote unquote, fake artist. And like over yes. the years, right? Because like over the years, there's been all of that controversy that uh, these publications have written about is like Spotify all has all of these fake artists. And, you know, but, but to clarify, Jason is a real person. He's a real musician. He's a real, uh, is not AI. And he is actually making music himself and releasing it and is figured out essentially through these mechanisms, perfectly legal uh not fake uh and getting real listeners and making i would imagine s- substantial revenue somewhat substantial revenue from so this what do what do you i mean you're saying a million yeah, I mean, to, a month or
0: so yeah, so to kind can of like unpack a few of those things so like to combat that accusation yeah. of it like a, free, a producer project or a, or fake project right he actually launched a youtube video or a youtube channel to kind of uh, as like a companion piece to all this stuff where he then has instructional videos where you can see him playing these pieces. And then he also partnered with uh, a sheet music company. I forget what it's called, but it's uh, uh, Music Notes, music I think. Notes. yeah. And they, they released, you can also buy the sheet music to his solo piano arrangements. Brilliant. So it was, like, it was meant not just as like a passive income stream. It was also, it started as a way for him to essentially monetize these things he was already doing in his private piano lessons. Yeah, like, well, I'm, I've already learned all these songs for the wedding bands and all these piano lessons I'm giving He's like, well, what if I find a way to like, offer these piano lessons to a wider base around the world? And then it's just started evolving. And then essentially once, so we were early adopters to discovery mode, because of my relationship with our distributor Vidia. Mm-hmm. I got early access and got to opt in a lot of friends that were releasing through us. And so at this point, Jason had 250 songs. And so we dropped them all in and it exploded. Wow. <laughs> it like, just went crazy. And so we also took this, I now had a really interesting story on paper. And so he started creating originals around the It's not just covers. So original piano compositions. Okay. And then we took the story of how, where he started and how we built it. And it was all within Spotify's terms and conditions. It was perfectly ethical. Yep. Um, it was an interesting story and I pitched it, uh, to the artists and label reps and they started putting his originals on playlists. Adi-
1: they were like Spotify editorial playlists. You're saying. Yeah.
0: Cause they were like, this is, we love this. This is what we're looking for. Like, this is a, a great success story. The analytics mm-hmm. essentially match everything that we want to see. And so he, he started getting editorial playlists from that. Right. So now he's on editorial playlists. His numbers are are exploding. This is like t- mid 2022, uh-huh. uh, uh, And so the algorithm starts pushing it out and then he starts getting cold emails from music supervisors who are like, Hey, uh, found your email on your website. We really want to use your, your version of genuine's pony. Wow. And like, it's funny because he didn't, he's so new to this side of the industry. He kept forwarding them to me and Jess and was like, is this real? And I was like, oh my God, that's Kira. She's like one of the biggest music supervisors <laughs> in London. Like, you have to write back to her now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, it looks, oh, oh, okay. And like, so he started getting syncs wow. from this whole world that he was creating. Wow. But he diligently recorded and released an album of 10 songs, 10 covers for the chillest every month for three years. Wow. And 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 so that's and, okay. how he built the catalog. Okay, so that's what that's I want to how talk he hit about. Hit the algorithm. Yeah,
1: yes. yeah. So that's what I want to talk about. Is like, what was this process? Um, so you said ten song. I'm sorry. Uh, let's step it back a little bit um, because I have so many questions about this. I mean, I'm looking at his cool. profile. Like, I still don't quite understand why he has all these various artist projects. Uh, maybe let's start there. Why does he Great. have the cheer list? Why does he have relaxing piano covers? Why does he have? Uh, well, how many artist projects does he have and why, why, yeah. not, why aren't so they he, just
0: all part of the chillest? So he has the chillest, right? And it's like, uh, so you and I have talked about this over the years. It's like, I threw myself in the pandemic into trying to understand digital release strategies and, yeah. and how the different digital service providers or DSPs, as we call them, how they go through all the music that's coming at them, how they like program editorials and how the algorithms work yeah so i got really into learning a lot about the spotify algorithm and like i'll reference shark attack a lot because my friend maddie kind of was the first person to really break down the algorithmic response on on spotify for me in a tangible way okay she was like stop playing for editorials start playing the algorithm you'll win you'll much bigger in the long run than if you go for editorials so i got really into it and then started coaching my friends just like hey I, we're in lockdown number two. I know you can't go anywhere. You should try this stuff. And so with Jason, and he was like, "Cool, I have nowhere to go. I have two kids. I'm just gonna like when they go to bed, I'm gonna go down in the basement and just noodle around and make some more stuff." So I was telling him, "I was like, you know, and here's the spiel that like everyone wants to hear. It's like, how does Spotify go through all of the music that's being coming at them every every week, right? Yeah. Uh, this depending on when this podcast comes out, these numbers will change. But like yeah. the last we heard recently was uh there's about uh, 840,000 yeah so 840,000 uh, a week yeah yeah they, yeah yeah exactly yes right so it's like it's a it's a lot of music yeah <laughs> like yes and the the answer is they don't go through it all they don't no. go through most of it like most of it doesn't even get heard right like if you no. if you have 500 monthly listeners or more spotify says you're in the top 20% of all artists right like, right the loud and clear analytics are so interesting and so it's like all right cool so it already waters it down. Like what that number is, I don't really know. Let's say there's a hundred thousand a week that they actually take seriously around the world, and so you know you got to get on your, you got to make sure you're on your distributor or label's priority sheets because that's kind of where everyone's going. There, that? I, I'm even getting replies from people in email when you email editors or artists and label reps are like, "Hey." trying to cut down on volume. Can you please make sure that this goes through your distributor as opposed to you pitching us directly? Um, We have built a brand as a label. So like I get to kind of continue as is like they gave me, I lobbied for the ability to be able to pitch directly. And they essentially like blessed me and said, like you can keep going, but we're really trying to discourage people from emailing directly. So you gotta, you gotta talk to your distributor. You gotta talk to your label if you're on a label. uh, And like, it's, they're putting more onus on labels and distributors pitching and trying to cut back on individuals, managers, artists. Well, so let on me just clarify around.
1: this: what you mean by pitching? Because we all know yes. about uh, if you go into Spotify for artists and there's that submit tool, uh, you know, to pitch. Is that what you mean by pitching? Is through Spotify? That's for part artists? of it. Okay. Yes. But, so so as
0: labels yeah. and, and and distributors, they they can push through the, the, the pitch tool for you on Spotify and Amazon, right? Okay. But they're pitching at a much higher level, right? So they actually every week turn in what they call priority grids. Mm. Like, We're essentially like every distributor has a different way of receiving information, right? Which is why you need a digital distributor. There's about 50 to 60 digital stores worldwide that kind of agree to more or less the same terms in receiving information. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there's hundreds of, of digital service providers, but not every, not, the money doesn't always come back, right? Like there's always, there's some little tricks and, and quirks. So most distributors that are listed on the RE Stakes site, uh, if you go to like, I actually reference that uh, uh, comparison chart a lot, like yeah. they all deliver music to about the same 50 and 60 stores, Yeah. but they all have, uh, uh, they all speak different languages, right? So you have to deliver per their... Their terms and conditions are like they're, they're, they're how they want to receive information, right? So, like, sure, Apple has a very different way of receiving priority pitches than Spotify. Sure. So, you rely on a distributor or a label partner to essentially take all the information and interpret it for all those. Like, as a labeled operating in the United States, we pretty much only focus on what I call the big five Spotify, Apple, Amazon Title, and YouTube. Okay, those are all. That's probably the majority of market share of consumption in the United States. So like that's, we don't really pitch to Deezer, right? Deezer so is like how, a French DSP. Yeah,
1: so how are you pitching specifically? So not if you're not yes. talking about the, the the tool in Spotify for Artists or in the Amazon tool, like how are you actually, are you emailing? Correct. Are you sliding in their DMs? Are you, is there like yeah. a, is there a so, sheet? Is there like a portal? Like, like step me through this, what is the how?
0: Yeah, so there is no concrete answer right like this was the problem that i was having in march of 2020 when we started doing the label stuff i was like i was asking those same questions so this is going to be my interpretation of how it's done based on polling a lot of my friends at labels and distributors and so what we do is essentially we go through our releases every week so like like right now i'm pitching the end of august right so we're trying to pitch about four weeks out Like every, there's so much volume everyone's loving for lead time. So I'm, I'm this week, I'm building all the pitches for the end of August. I'm highlighting what we call priorities, right? So like, I'm not going to, if we're releasing 20 releases this week, all 20 of them aren't going to be priorities. Like I know from doing this for three years, kind of what the threshold is, the barrier to entry, right? Like if you're a brand new artist, who's never released anything before you just created your socials, like it's your first release you have a very, very, very low chance of getting heard by anybody because they're looking for metrics. They're trying to like, how do we weed through the volume? They create a floor. If You're not at that floor. You're not going to cut through. What that yep. floor is, is no one really knows. You're, we're kind of guessing based on uh, things that we're seeing and releases that are getting picked up, right? Mm-hmm. Every every DSP is now kind of creating a uh, a, a program for supporting new artists, right? Spotify is Fresh Find. Uh, Apple is... Uh, a uh, uh, breakthrough title is rising, right? So that's where they start. And if you formally go up, so as yeah. a label, I got verified on Spotify. So like we have a label channel that has a blue check that we had to apply for. And mm-hmm. like, they go, cool. We believe you're a label. And then they give us a label Spotify for artists portal, which is like a, how do
1: you get that? So if there's someone's listening to this and it's like, I'm a label, how do I get my label verified and get that portal and get the blue check mark?
0: Yeah, so you can go through your distributor. So odds are if you're a label, you're you didn't build the international pipelines to deliver your music, right? You're more or less going through someone, either like a larger distributor like Video or the Orchard or AWOL or something like that, or maybe you're cunning and smart enough to be like to really build it out and go through Audio Salad Fuga or uh the more like the I call them the, the pipelines. <laughs> like mm. uh so You can ask your distribution partner to help you get verified. You can fill out a form and then they'll send it through. Or what we did is like, we went through, there's actually could go through like the Spotify for artists uh, like FAQs. There are uh, essentially, you'll get linked out to a, uh, it's essentially, it's like a customer service portal where you can flag things with Spotify. And one of them is you can essentially request uh, a review to be a, like a label partner okay and have a label profile so like cool. so you again got and verified. that stuff changes a lot so like yeah. it might not be there anymore or it could okay. not be there in the future but that's how we did it got it
1: cool um, mean, the idea but, of
0: getting verified is like your 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 playlists have uh because we create playlists to support our artists as well thematic playlists okay. and um as spotify's continuing to battle third-party playlists and the black market that surrounds third-party playlists like paying for playlisting which you have talked a lot about on your on your platforms Mm -hmm. um they're saying that if your playlists are on a verified profile uh as a label you can get verified then it's much more difficult for people to to like scam right so there's a whole uh, thing where there people go and flag your your playlist as being fraudulent they clone it and then they start like trying to sell access to this like fake version of your playlist Uh, assuming people aren't going to look at the numbers and stuff. So uh, you have a much – it's like copywriting your material. It doesn't really matter until you have to go to court. well, well, getting verified doesn't really matter until someone challenges your authority.
1: Well, no, no, but that is super important. Um, And I didn't realize that this gives you some of these protections because um, I was just talking to a third-party playlisting company um, where they are very diligent about only accepting playlists into their network that uh, are not botted, and they research all of this, and they have relationships with all of these playlists and everything like that. Um, and But some of the playlists within their network, um, they get reported uh, by competitors, and then exactly. they use their title... And their their um, artwork, their like playlist cover, and in yes. their description, and like you know, that's I was a scam. Yes, it's a scam, and and because like and I and I asked this guy, I was just like, wait, why does this playlist not have a title or album art, or or at least like not have a title? It's literally blank. He's like, oh, that's because somebody, one of our competitors. Reported this for infringement or whatever, and then Spotify just instantly, without asking questions for some reason, just removes the title and the description and the and the album art or the the playlist cover uh, until it goes through a review process for some reason and then puts it back yeah. up or something. So you're saying that if if it, it was under your label profile platform with the check mark, it wouldn't get removed if somebody reported it, right? Or in- so from and like again, this is all ba-
0: like Spotify hasn't sat me down and give me this explanation explicitly. But like right. from what I'm seeing, yes, it's kind of like the same as getting verified on Instagram, right? If I were to DM another verified person without a blue check mark, it'll probably go to spam. But the check marked person DMs a check marked person, much li- more likely that it's going to get seen. Um, from what I understand, it's like on Spotify because of the volume, everyone's guilty until proven innocent
1: yeah so yeah. like if
0: someone flags it like they're just gonna go like i'm not dealing with this like yep. but if they were verified that my guess is or my understanding is they would give the verified profile the the benefit of the doubt and be like uh we're not gonna pull it down we're gonna review it first yeah but if you're not verified they just pull it down and and then you enter a queue for review yeah a lot this actually I also happens a lot there was a whole thing with in the hip-hop community where they figured out that you could essentially hit a release for a copyright infringement, and Spotify essentially takes it offline until the copyright infringement is vetted and uh, that person relinquishes their initial complaint. Because it's kind of like YouTube does the same thing. Like essentially, yeah. they go, like, we, we, "We're allergic to liability. We're just gonna we're gonna flag it. We're gonna remove it, and y'all need to resolve it and let us know when it's resolved." Like they don't get involved. And so Spotify has a pretty strict two copyright strikes and you're out. Like yeah. if you get two copyright strikes as a user, like you were banned from the platform. So it's, it's very serious, but in the wake of this, they have tightened it up. So it's much more difficult to issue a DMCA takedown. Now you can't just, you have to fill out a ton of paperwork now and assume legal liability for even issuing one. Oh, thank so they are God. trying to crack down a on new this
1: thing because, because, yes and, yeah. new. and, 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 and... Uh, thankfully, I I, I want to say it was Elias. Like, did he write about this for Billboard or someone wrote about this for Billboard? It was either Elias or Kristen, but um, it came to light, which uh, yes, the, it, it's like the new and um, it, it's like it's like uh, the new uh, digital way of going after your rivals uh, in like rival Dude. you know, <laughs> gangs or rival you know, <laughs> artists or whatever. But like, this happened to a friend of mine uh, where they uh, released this uh, this new this single and video, um, and the video started to take off, and it was like this global collaboration between this African artist and and um, I believe it was a Nigerian artist, and so it's like there's getting there's all this like global recognition and press is writing about it, and the video starts to go and it's starting to go viral, and the song's doing really well on Spotify, and then one of his enemies or whatever. Uh, issues this, this uh, you know, a copyright claim on both YouTube and Spotify, and right away, like you said, without asking questions, they ripped it down, YouTube took it down and Spotify took it down, and the manager hit me, I was like, what, the, what are we supposed to do? We put in tens of thousands of dollars into marketing, which it took them months to get the song and video back Ooh. up, and like, it just killed the momentum. All this momentum was happening, and then they ripped it down and they lost all their momentum and lost all their marketing money that they put behind this because they, you know, brutal. And so the system was completely broken. I'm, I'm thankful to hear that now Spotify has implemented uh, a system and hopefully YouTube has done the same where they won't just rip it down, you know, uh, take down, ask questions later or whatever, uh, because yeah, it was, it was a completely broken system. Real quick, I want to let you know about 2Lost. 2Lost is a new distribution company to the space, and let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder, and yeah, they're very innovative, and when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative, and they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have, have... fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, two losses partnered with BMG, you know, it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data, and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately they do lyrics and credits distribution for free they have a very innovative analytics platform where yes you will see real-time analytics for spotify apple music but also pandora deezer soundcloud and peloton they're the only ones that do peloton Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I- I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out 2Lost. You can just go to 2 Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I think it's all byproduct of the volume, right? No one knows how to handle the volume. And, like, right. YouTube is a great example of kind of, like, where the industry is going to have to go because YouTube is unregulatable. And, like, they, everyone just kind of accepted. It's, it's why YouTube... Right it is what it is. It's like, it's, everything's ad supported. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's like yeah. you issue one, takedown. you know, Michael Jackson and Prince notoriously had armies of attorneys, right. They, and like, no one was doing anything illegal. Like you were yeah. there's a compulsory license. I'm allowed to cover a Michael Jackson song and, and release it, but they were, they didn't want that. So they would just had attorneys sending cease and desist letters, hoping that the threat of like a, a legal title head, would cause everyone to stop, and it, it right. worked. I think most of the time, but like, yeah. as soon as one got taken down, a hundred more showed up. So I think that's what everyone's starting to worry about on the digital release, on like yeah. a DSP standpoint, not YouTube, but like Spotify, Apple, Amazon. It's like, dude, there's no barrier to entry. Like, mm-hmm. people are going to be releasing all the the weird likeness AI created tracks. So like, how how do you police this? And so right. I think well, a lot of these systems are because of that.
1: Yeah, no totally. And and we just had um Alex Mitchell who's the CEO and founder of Boomy uh, AI there, the music AI company that made all the headlines a, a couple months ago for um they uh basically Spotify removed thousands of their tracks because there was like fraudulent streaming activity or whatever because this is the other side of the coin. So we've been talking about um the quote-unquote like legitimate way uh to to essentially game the Spotify algorithm to promote it and make it work. So I want to get back on this kick that you were talking about Ooh. with the chillest. Um, Cause I think yes. this is a fascinating story. We still didn't get to uh, why yes. he has multiple artist names. So <laughs> let's
0: get right, back. So to we that. got it. Right. Yeah. So I was coaching him on algorithmic strategies, right? Yeah. So like he kind of developed his own system that worked for his brand. Like there are general truths that change constantly. Right. It's like, this is how the algorithm is working today. And yeah. so he developed, uh, I usually always say what works for one artist is probably not going to work for the other. You have to f- learn the rules, exist within the rules, but create your own system. So he developed his own system, and it started to really work. And it was a combination of releasing uh, usually collected works, meaning like l- re- EP or LP of releases, so three plus songs, right? So like not just singles. Like he found success through volume, and it okay. was very cost effective for him to do a ten-song LP every month because there's very little cost for him, right? There's not a lot of overhead, it's sure. just time. So he was pumping this in and then he started running ads or building playlists and running ads behind the playlists. And he's just started watching his numbers growing linearly. And then right when we hit discovery mode in like April or May of 2022, it switched to exponential growth. And we just started everything exploding, including his ads and plays, like everything just started growing super fast. He's like, awesome. And so he did some quick math and he's like, hey, I think I can do this kind of growth for other monikers and keep the cost low, but I can apply everything I've learned to these new monikers and I think I can grow quicker. Mm. And so he's like, I'm going to take these pre-existing MIDI samples and I'm going to create like, he's got the Rainy Day Piano is his. He's got Chillsy, which is like his lo-fi chill version. He's got J Wex, which is he does lo-fi original music. And then he's got Jason Amazing, which is a standalone, like, kids project um, that he did. He released music that he was writing for his kids. Um, he's going to kill me, by the way. <laughs> what are, he's like, I'm giving away all of his, his business great. secrets. It's, <laughs> it's public information as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, damn right. He, he just, I'm going to take this uh, MIDI piano thing and I'm going to repurpose it, right? So I'm going to keep the cost even lower now because, like, I'm now – taking something I've already done. So it's significantly less time and I'm going to apply these other different filters and processing and whatnot. And maybe I add like a rain sample behind it and like, I'm going to put it into this new artist project, right? So we Mm -hmm. separated them because the Chillist algorithm got so strong and it's so focused, right? The Chillist is solo piano, pop songs. We experimented with him offering like, Hey, I'll do, it started with my management clients. Like I'll do like, stripped versions for anyone just like send them over i'll do the piano part they can sing it and like they can do whatever they want with it we'll we'll split the master and stuff cool uh, and it became just so apparent that his algorithm was so focused on his solo piano stuff it's like you should probably just leave it there got it like let it do its thing and so any other new idea or new variation you're going to want to create a new profile to build a new algorithm just like what people do on tiktok if you're a big influencer, say like you're a food influencer and you want to launch a music career, your music posts are going to tank on yes. your food influencer channel. So they create yeah. new channels to build a new algorithm. A lot of the principles are the same when talking about Spotify algorithms, YouTube algorithms, Instagram, or TikTok algorithms. They just have slightly different rules and conditions and slightly different uh, cycles. Yeah. Right? So Spotify is a 28-day cycle. They, the writing is on the wall. Monthly listeners is 28 days. Release radar right. is 28 days. Everything's 28 days. So when you start unpacking, it's like cool. Like they want me to release it for 28 days. That's generally challenging for most artists. Yes. But if it doesn't cost you very much to do it, and you can do it for a long period of time, uh, and Music Business Worldwide actually wrote a, an article kind of about this on TikTok. If you can do a consistent release schedule for about 18 to 24 months that is about the time it takes to really trigger the algorithm and make that switch from linear to exponential growth.
1: So just to clarify, if I'm understanding this uh, correctly, and I'm going to repeat it back to you. Um, is he created multiple uh, artist projects because uh, he had different, uh, essentially sounds for each of these. So it's, he wanted he, it's, it, even though it's just him, he had, uh, it's like different artist projects. It's just like, um, and, and to, to, cause I think a lot of artists struggle with this is this like, especially who are producers who are like, well, I can make all kinds of music. So why don't I release my Americana, uh, songs on the same artist project as my hip hop songs, as my electronic songs, all under the same artist it was like, well, that's confusing and I, like I think of it, I usually explain it from a fan's perspective. I'm just like, well, a fan's not going to really understand. Be like, you might have a fans that really love Americana music, but they're not really into uh, EDM. And if you release uh, an Americana album and then you followed up with an EDM album, your fans are going to get confused. They're like, I don't understand who you are, what you're doing, or whatever. And like, yes you're talented enough to be able to make all different kinds of music. A lot of artists and producers are super talented and they can create in a wide range of genres. But the best practice, not just for fan understanding, but now you're saying the algorithm understanding, is to really focus uh, the genre and the style of music per artist project. So this guy, uh, Jason, the reason that he has multiple artist projects, even though they're all like somewhat... Similar, I guess, because they're all like solo-ish, piano-ish, whatever. But like you're saying he got so focused with the style that the chillest is like organic, acoustic, piano, uh, pop covers. And then yes. you want to do the chillsy, which is like lo-fi with maybe some beats or whatever. I haven't listened to these, but like, you know, and since yes. one could argue, wow, that's the same artist you know, you're just adding a beat to it. What's the big deal. But what you're saying is that it's not just really even a fan understanding thing, that like the algorithm is so niche and so specifically focused. And even like, I'm looking at like the editorial playlists is like relaxing solo acoustic piano. It's like literally playlists are yes. that like, yes. the <laughs> chills, the ones with the beats are not going to fit on that playlist. Only the chillest will fit on that playlist. And like, his solo original songs aren't going to fit on relaxing piano covers because they're not covers. So he got so focused on, on meeting like what the algorithm is, is demanding. And so that's the, that's the reason for all of these separate artist projects. Is that, is that
0: kind of right? Nailed it. Yes. It's like, it's a business plan, but it's also like, he's becoming a like the cellist is becoming a real artist, right? It's also now becoming, like the parent brand for all these baby projects. And like uh, it's algorithmic maximization, but he's a real artist and it's like, he's making real art. And like, this is just a way of, the joke I use a lot is like Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines. It's the same guy writing the same songs. One has a country accent and some pedal steel. The other is like a, was a pop artist, but it's the same stuff. But he got to hit two completely different audiences with a subtle rebrand. We all knew it was Garth Brooks. Yes. But people ate it up because it was fun right. and it was good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, and, and I'm looking at this chillis profile and holy shit. I mean, what, he's got hundreds <laughs> of songs out by this point in the last three, four years yeah. or something. So you're saying he released an album or an EP or like a batch of songs every month because, right, the traditional thinking was like uh, a song every four to six weeks was like the The cadence theoretically, or like some people were doing the waterfall effect, where you know, you lead up to an album release with like a single first and then like a two song album second, and then like a three song album of those first two songs, and the you know, third, and then like the four song album, which is the first three singles plus the new one, and like you lead that up to the full album release, which is like what the waterfall method is. You're saying he just dumped a full batch of songs every month, not one single, but like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, every month.
0: That's it. He was Damn. just like, I'm gonna, he, he made it his goal. I'm gonna like, I think we released a couple singles when he was just like, I'm behind, let's release a single to keep the the pace going. Sure. And then I'll drop a, the full release like the next month just to buy myself some more time. But generally speaking, he was dropping a 10 song LP every wow. month for about two or three years. And then like as he launched the other projects this year, he's had to sc- obviously scale back because there's only yeah. so much time in a day. So the Chillist is releasing like singles and EPs and every now and then an LP because he's also creating... You know, he's dumping EPs worth of material for these new ones to get the algorithms going and running mm-hmm. ads and creating thematic playlists that he owns and controls for each of those things. Yeah. And we're watching it just grow. And the goal is for this to essentially be his retirement plan. Like if he, if he keeps releasing, like the algorithm is going to keep finding more and more listeners because that's its job. If he keeps pumping content and he's training the algorithms, so they'll be able to find more listeners sooner than if he was just dropping a single every month. Cause the uh, release radar is uh, it's in the name, right? So a release is the album level, a track or a song is the track level, right? So when you're talking in, Music, uh legalese or music business bro it's uh, a track is what they call a song and a release is what they call an album so release radar is album radar so like the part of where waterfall came, waterfalling came from specifically on Spotify I was like wow release radar guarantees everyone that it's going to work the music at the entry level algorithmic uh, uh, the entry algorithmic level so people who follow you or have listened to you in the last 28 days, right? It guarantees it's going to do that for four weeks. So week one, you get to pick what song you want the algorithm to push out to everybody else. But weeks two, three, and four, the algorithm decides what other tracks from that release it's going to work. Right. So like oh. it might decide that like, I'm going to send Ari a different song from that release. Cause he really liked that first song hmm. or I'm going to re-deliver it to Sarah because Sarah didn't listen to it at all. So we're going we're to try to get Sarah and like Jess Wow. Uh, she consumed the whole record, so we're gonna send the B sides. Like, you get four weeks of the algorithm working all tracks on that release. Release radar. So like, you waterfall because it's gonna keep working the previous releases. You might say I'm um, my focus track for that week is the only unreleased song on a waterfall playlist. So e- everyone gets the same song on that first day, and then the subsequent weeks two, three, and four, the algorithm will work other tracks from that release. So if you go to the bottom of your release radar, you're like, wow, these songs all came out last week, but there's other tracks from that release. So if Uh, it's a single, you're going to get the same song over and over again for weeks, two, three, and four. But if it's a multi-track release, you're going to get other tracks delivered to your release radar. Release radar, you'll see, is like as much longer than just the new releases. Right. everything that's come out in the past four weeks.
1: Oh, shit. Okay, so that is the best explanation of why to waterfall I've ever heard, because I didn't quite understand. And, and a lot of people, uh, you know, ask like, well, why, why waterfall, if you can just release the single and the singles going to get included on release radar, because that's what they say is just like, as long as you submit that single in the Spotify for artists, at least seven days before it comes out, it will hit all of your followers release radar that Friday. Um, but what you're saying, which I didn't actually realize this is that like, uh, for the next month. So theoretically, if you only release an album a month or, 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 or let's say like even like a four track EP a month, uh, those four songs will theoretically rotate throughout people's release radars, what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Great. The al- algorithm decides all that stuff. So actually on, on waterfalls, a quick update, just to like blow your mind a little bit. Uh, speaking with friends at major labels and other distributors, like the new trend, because things have changed a lot, like Apple's now making it. So you can only, uh, you know, you generally would release in a traditional waterfall, the whole record, if it's a long playing record to Apple and the songs illuminate, well now they will only illuminate up to 50% of the record. Uh, And they're calling it, it's like instant gratification tracks. So they're not going to illuminate past that. So because of that and because of all the issues that we're having on Meta and TikTok, right? We talked a lot about TikTok waterfall releases uh, where it's like you get duplicate sounds and when you take stuff down, the sounds disappear and TikTok has no motivation to merge that stuff or help you at all. So what people are doing now is like they're only waterfalling on Spotify, right? So they're delivering something twice. So they're, say you're releasing a series of singles. The singles are singles everywhere but Spotify. And then you deliver a separate release that is just the waterfall release for the Spotify algorithm. So we're watching it evolve before our eyes because of the algorithm.
1: Yeah. And that's really important for people to understand like what we ran into uh, just to explain a little bit deeper what you're referencing is is when we waterfalled uh, an artist uh, this last year, their album, um, you know, after the full length album came out, we took down all the previous quote unquote, single releases, which were, you know, I think we did five single releases, but on each of those, we waterfalled out. So single number one was just one song. Single number two was two songs. Single number three was three. So, you know, instead of having the uh, discography on their Spotify profile, have six releases that were essentially like six single names in the full album, we just like took down the previous singles and just have the album there. However, when we issued a takedown, it it told it took down those releases everywhere, and namely on TikTok, it basically told TikTok remove all of these songs. You no longer are authorized to have these singles available, which fucked all of the videos that had currently u- previously used those songs. And so all the official sounds. So then when you tap the sound, it said this, uh, the copyright owner no longer gives permission, blah, 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 blah. And there was no way to get that back. So that, that was a really unfortunate uh, thing that happened uh, with issuing takedowns. So never issue a takedown to TikTok is essentially- Yeah, yeah. The So the story. like,
0: uh, like uh, as you saw, it's like, technically they're supposed to be able to merge sounds as long as they're at the identical timestamp, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's so, there's so few people on the administrative side working and there's so much demand, it just doesn't get done. Like you were even talking to a TikTok rep, a friend of ours, and it's like, she's she's just so inundated with volume, like it just never happens. So to those out there listening, uh, a hack that we've found uh, that seems to be working for some artists, if you're going to do this, is like essentially, if you're going to do a waterfall campaign, you can release everywhere, but uh, uh, ByteDance, right? Don't distribute the music to TikTok, and you can go and create a, uh, a sound on account mm-hmm. and just deliver sounds to TikTok. So what yep. I have a couple clients doing who are really heavy in the TikTok is they go, they, we release everything through HBM. We purposely don't deliver to ByteDance, which is only TikTok right now. Yep. Um, and then we set up the, their TikTok sounds in their uh, sound on, which is TikTok's distribution service. Yes. And so they... But like the SoundOn platform is the only platform that it's like, it's so, I, I don't know if you've used it. It's like, you can pick like up to like the microsecond of your clip, which they don't really allow other distributors to do. Oh, so wow. you, okay. you can get into like, all the amenities are in sound on it. Like it makes yep. sense. They want you to use their platform, but like gives it gives you extreme oversight if you're going to get into TikTok sounds.
1: Right, right. Because uh, typically, most distributors will allow you to choose the timestamp of the part of the song that you're delivering to TikTok, because you can only deliver 60 seconds of a sound that is like what the copyright that that is like what TikTok has the license for right now. Um, yes. And so what you're saying, is like, yeah, right, which is important, because if you deliver the full more than 60 seconds, they just they'll take it down, or they, they'll mute it, or they'll remove it. And, you know, and this is something that I've gotten this question over the past is like this hasn't always been the case because people had yes. sounds that went viral two years ago that were two minutes long. And then as of like six months ago, they're like, Oh my gosh, the sound got removed. Why did it get removed? Why did the copyright claim, blah, 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 blah. And it, the answer is, is because it's longer than 60 seconds and TikTok changed the licensing. Um, and so now they only really are allowed to, uh, have songs that are 60 seconds or less on the platform.
0: Yeah, that's the majors, right? That's the deal they made with the pu- major publishers and major right. labels. Like, right, anything it under 60 cool. seconds is cool. Anything above it is a sync license because you're putting yeah. music to picture. You know? uh, yeah. Really, I'm sure everyone will be interested in this. Like, so as of today, from what I understand, you're allowed to deliver a primary sound, which is the initial sound, and it feels like they're pu- like they're putting pressure on that everyone for that first sound to be a full 60 seconds. And then you can deliver, I think up to four additional sounds. So we're talking about commercial sounds, right? So there's two types of sounds. There's the original sound, which anybody right. can upload, which is generally not monetized, mm-hmm. right? So any, any there's two types of accounts, a personal and a business account, right? Mm-hmm. Personal and business can use original sounds uh, because they're generally not monetized. Mm-hmm. And if you deliver a commercial sound through your distributor, you get a primary commercial sound which they are hoping will be up to 60 seconds or at least six. It'll be a full 60 seconds. And and a you get four adi- yeah. The primary commercial sound, the monetized sound through your distro or label. And then mm-hmm. you can deliver four additional sounds for that ISRC. Uh, and they, they want them to be in 15, 30, 45, or 60 second segments. You- but yeah. like SoundOn allows you to circumvent that. But like most other distributors, I think as, TikTok's trying to deal with again volume, like that. Just the sheer mass of sounds being thrown on the profile. Yeah. How, like, the, copy uh, copyright enforcement and monetization are so challenging on TikTok right now. Right, right. Um, uh, so, that, well, that, that's kind of the the rule set right now.
1: Just to clarify, when you're saying commercial sound, because like you know, Ari's take. We have a business TikTok account, and when I go to try to use a sound, more times than not, it says this sound is not licensed for commercial use. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yes, so in order for a business to use a sound, right, a, a commercial sound, us. you need a license, right? That is a sync. Okay, so, so just because you so, distribute
1: and- your song through a distributor doesn't, and you're saying you distribute it as a commercial sound, doesn't mean it's giving, uh, it's going in the uh, licensable, the commercial licensable
0: sounds library within so TikTok for a business to the use. TikTok CML, the commercial music library, right? The CML on TikTok. You have yeah. to opt into that through your distributor. Oh.
1: And essentially
0: by doing that, you are agreeing to a revenue share for the money made on, like, let's say, uh, you know, TikTok is charging businesses. Let's say they charge them a fee or I, I don't, I'm not, yeah. i am not have not used a business profile that's opted in uh, to, tried to use sounds from the commercial music library but what i was read when it initially was launched and they asked people to opt in was it's like a two percent revenue share to the creatives essentially it's like one percent to the sound recording owners one percent to the publishing owners or composition owners of the money made from the use of that song Right, so if like if they, if TikTok makes ten thousand dollars, you get all, each side gets a hundred dollars. Is that documented $200. somewhere?
1: Is this is this are these actual that, numbers? Are you saying yeah? That not?
0: that was in the that it's was I 1%. think a year ago when it came out. It was in a, oh. the, the the terms and conditions that was in the opt-in yeah. sheet. Uh, so, like, generally okay. speaking, if you opt into the commercial music library, you also have zero control over who use your, uses your music and right. how they use it. Yeah. So it's uh, you're essentially letting them. And from what I understand, also, if you distribute through SoundOn, you automatically opt into the CML. Oh, Um, wow. That might have changed, but an early part of SoundOn was, like, you, by default, by using it in the terms and conditions, you accept it without reading it, you opt into the CML. So pretty much anyone can use your music, and it kind of destroys the potential for a sync license. Dolce Mm -hmm. & Gabbana wants to use an Annabelle Lee song, and it's in the CML. They're like, I can just go use the CML for little to no money. Uh, uh, I don't need to license this from you,
1: right? So it's it's everyone's benefit not to opt into that, really. Uh, and you should really get there. Uh, you should you should negotiate. Yeah, a sync this, license.
0: they're essentially production music libraries that they're asking creatives to opt into, right? So it's like the commercial mm-hmm. music libraries is a fancy way of framing. It's like, technically, usually businesses are paying blanket licenses to use music royalty free from these libraries, right? right so like right. Meta and YouTube have entire teams that buy production music from creatives where they own everything and they dump it into their their library so you can use royalty-free right. music because right? yeah. they've bought yeah, it they out. That, yeah. um, they're now getting people to opt into the commercial music libraries for little to no money so right. businesses can use their music without having to license it.
1: Right. So, okay, I want to get back to uh, Spotify for a second and, uh, you know, uh, just to put a, a bow on the story of The Chillest and, and actually just to kind of take that um, because I, I, I guess I, well, okay, you mentioned that you've mentioned discovery mode a few times. And I do want to talk about discovery mode for a second. And then I also want to get into uh, talking about how you've used this strategy of releasing or just your understanding of how the Spotify algorithm works for artists that are not releasing an album a month, you're more yeah, like sure. traditional. Cause I know you manage artists that are more traditional artists yes. uh, in the sense that they're touring. They are, you know, doing sessions. They are like actual artists that are building a fan base. Uh, they're not just, you know, releasing an album month. That's not their style. So first off, let's talk discovery mode and then we'll get into your other cool. artists and and how you've approached um, more traditional style release schedules with uh, more traditional style of of frontline artists. Um, talk to me how Discovery Mode has evolved from when you said it was amazing in April, May 2022, when they rolled it out to you, uh, to where it's at now over a year later, where they've since rolled it out wide to virtually everyone, uh, kind of at the top of this year, um and what you've noticed has has shifted. And for those of you who don't know what discovery mode is, if you log into Spotify and, for artists and you go to the campaign section, uh if it is enabled for your account, meaning if you're you work with a distributor, uh, most distributors have this enabled like DistroKid and CD Baby do. Um I actually don't know if TuneCore has enabled it yet for everybody, but I know some of their artists do. But either way, if it's enabled through your distributor, um It is, um, and you have songs that have surpassed a certain threshold of radio streams, radio and kind of they're calling um, um, autoplay, thank you, Uh, radio play streams. And so radio streams is just like, everybody knows the radio, you go to an artist, and you're like, I want to play the Taylor Swift radio, you know, so they'll they'll put uh, some other songs within Taylor Swift's radio, that's not Taylor Swift, of course. Um, And then autoplay is like after you finish listening to an album or a playlist, the algorithm Spotify will autoplay songs that they think are similar to whatever you just listened to, whether it's that album or the autoplay. And so what discovery mode does is they will essentially say um, we will juice this for you, meaning if you opt in some songs to discovery mode, um, we're you're going to make a 30 percent less commission Uh, Excuse me, 30 percent less money on the streams that these songs get uh, this month just from radio or autoplay, because what we're going to do, Spotify is going to do is we're going to take these songs and we are going to juice them up a little bit, meaning we're going to put them at the top of the radio uh playlist or at the top of autoplay and you'll see a difference. And so you're essentially paying a 30% commission. You're taking 30% less money than you would normally from a stream. But the thinking is, well, you know, my thinking has always been I'm happy to make 30% less money on the streams versus having to pay for ads, which you know that that's an indirect way pay for like Instagram story ads to send people to Spotify. It's like, all right, I'll make a little bit less money on Spotify. Ads or excuse me on Spotify streams just from radio and autoplay. Yeah. If I'm going to get exponentially more streams across the board, which will trigger theoretically all the algorithms, which is the idea behind it. So now tell me the reality behind
0: it. Yeah, I mean, like I usually tell people, imagine it like it's a imagine like that hierarchy as a playlist, right? Like if you're in a Taylor Swift radio, mm-hmm. like discovery mode bumps you to the top and you still have to perform well. If people are like skipping or not yeah. saving or not engaging, like it's gonna give up and let you float back down and off, right? So like, okay. you still have to perform well. Spotify knows exactly what streams are coming from that movement. So it's not from that song in general. It's just from the streams that you're getting from discovery mode placement, right? Right. So like, that's important for people to understand. It's not like I opt in and now I'm making 30% less on this song altogether. Like, yep. no, no, no. And you can go in and it breaks it all down for you. Um, so uh, when it started, it was available by every distributor, but you had to ask your distributor to opt in.
1: And so they would get
0: a spreadsheet from Spotify every month that goes, hey, you know, TuneCore, these are the songs that are available to opt in to discovery mode this month. So you had to know to go to your, or you had to have a contact at your distributor and know this existed to even ask. Yes, And so because it was so kind of, low profile uh, most people didn't know it existed there was little to no competition right so like you're opting in and nobody else is doing it and the results were just like awesome <laughs> you're like mm-hmm. wow like this is man I'm watching people like double their monthly listeners like yep. like but like if you had like we had one like friends of ours who i didn't release but we were just comparing notes they had a half a million monthly listeners and they doubled to a million through discovery wow. mode Wow. And what was interesting, it was like, you could drop in an entire catalog and the algorithm would be like, all right, these two to four songs, these are the ones that people like. Right. And so everything yep. else would float down. You don't have to opt those in anymore. And like, just keep opting in those four songs for months. And yep. it just kept like growing and growing and growing. And so everyone's like high-fiving, like, this is amazing. Like, right. cause we're making more money. Like it yep. wasn't, I guess we're getting a, a a reduced payout. Spotify's taking a commission. It mm-hmm. was like, Everyone was making more money, more streams, fans, like followers were going up. So it was working. Yep. So January, 2023, again, the problem is volume. They're trying to roll this out to make sure everyone can participate, right? They're not trying to be gatekeepy or weird about it. They're trying to roll it out so everyone can use this program. Let's call that was the beta. Now it's going into alpha and they want it to be publicly usable, so here's the catch. You have to, the distributor had to opt in to allow users to opt in themselves, right? So Spotify is like, we're going to put a tab in Spotify for artists so people can opt in, but right. only uh, essentially the, the rights owners, while you might be an individual rights owner, you're kind of giving up that authority to the label or to the uh, distributor right. when you release through them, right? So like the rights owners essentially have to opt in. Yes. So the major labels and their subsidiaries are never gonna opt into discovery mode. So I'm sorry if you're releasing through AWOL, the Orchard, um, InGrooves, ADA, Level, any of that stuff, you're never gonna be allowed to be in discovery mode because the majors aren't going to participate in discovery mode as of today, right? So like they will never be able to opt in, but everybody else, the ToonCore, Distro... They don't wanna make
1: 30% less commission. They don't wanna make less money. They don't have to. yeah right 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 okay continue
0: so everybody else was like dude i'm just getting more and more requests we don't have the customer service bandwidth to keep opting in this one song for right. this artist and right. these 10 songs of this artist so right uh they were like heck yes sign me up like i'm gonna just opt it in we'll let our people decide Yep. So they did a lot of, you know, I I wasn't on the development team. I'm not an insider at Spotify. This is all based on what we saw and people we spoke to and like trusting colleagues like Ari and whoever else will get on and calls and be like, are you seeing what I'm seeing?
1: Right. So what we <laughs> saw
0: was like, all right, it's now available to everybody. Yeah. Everybody's opting in. And like all of our numbers just went down. And I was like, all right, growing pains. It's growing pains. All good. Yep. Um. Uh, we'll keep going. And like, I did it for essentially six months from July to June or sorry, January to June. Mm -hmm. I talked with my management clients and our release clients. Like I'm going to continue to opt you in, uh, but slowly scaling it back. And like we went from opting in everything and seeing what would happen to just opting in select things. And as of July, like I'm not opting in at all. Wow. what, what, What we saw was like very like little to no return. Uh, And like, there's lots of theories of what's going on is that like Spotify operates on a, I think we talked about this with some other, and some other people like, Spotify operates on a URI system. Yeah. Right. So like, everything has its own like Spotify social security number. Yeah. Right. So if you have a song that's on multiple releases, that single, so that song has one ISRC. Right. So that's how all the streams are combined. Right. It's like, oh, this ISRC is on all these releases but we all know it's the same song and sound recording so all those streams from those releases will funnel into that one isrc uh but that track will have a different uri for each release so uh, blank space by taylor swift will have a different uri on every single release that it's on yes that same sound recording so like if we write the theory is that like it caused extreme chaos behind the scenes because all of those URIs for that one ISRC would be available to opt into discovery mode, which creates extreme chaos in the back end.
1: Yeah. And especially not to mention if you take down previous singles like we did, and this is what fucked <laughs> yes. us uh, for the artist, you know, that that I was managing is, is or it, am and that we we released uh, with you is kind of we took down so I had opted in uh, songs from the album release. And because they were available to opt in and then I took down, we took down the previous uh, singles, but the streams maintained and the playlist inclusion maintained because it was the same ISRC number, but discovery mode doesn't work on ISRC, like you said, they work on the different code, the URI. And so I was looking at my discovery mode uh, that month and it was literally negative percentage growth it was like it was zero and below and i was like and i hit up my contacts at spotify i'm like what the fuck what happened here like how is this going down and they're like oh that's why right exactly because it was they're using uri versus isrc i'm like why are you doing that why every other system on
0: spotify someone didn't think of that
1: yeah i'm like everything (laughs) else connects isrc codes like the streams maintain when i take down a previous one and put up the album version if there's three different versions on three different releases the streams all connect that you know how to connect that you know how to connect the playlist inclusion maintains the same it's not like three of the same tracks on the same playlist whatever but just discovery mode didn't work so it was kind of a mess and so that's interesting that you're saying that with your management clients right now you're not opting in any songs because you're just seeing there's just no net positive anymore huh
0: It feels like everyone's on the waterfall and discovery mode train, right? So like, we're not really waterfalling anymore and we're not really doing discovery mode anymore because it just feels like, I don't know. We're seeing this general trend where like everybody's numbers are going down on Spotify. Like, like followers are going up, but like monthly listeners are going down. You can see Spotify frantically adding new analytics tabs constantly. They're highlighting very specific things, those specific things being active audience, right? Right. We like, it's, I think Spotify has a passive listenership problem, right? And like, there's lots mm-hmm. of uh, things coming out right now, like, uh, editorials and articles and videos about the homogenization or playlistification of music, or mm-hmm. like most of the music being put on Spotify right now is to get on like these passive playlists to generate money. Like the chills, <laughs> like Right. Right. It's like, right. uh, so it's like that is cool. It's a business model. And like Spotify created this ecosystem and that's just kind of how people are exploiting it. Yep. Um, but it's causing all these issues for people who are releasing, creating and releasing real music, like artists who want to go on tour and artists right. who want to get sync licenses. And You even who got caught to- in
1: the trap. You call it real music.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> I, know, totally. I know what and you and mean, if, but by so artists easier are, to like, yeah, pursuing it, yeah,
1: a, like, pursuing an artist career. Right
0: you know, it's like, and it's, it's challenging. It's like, you know, like you interviewed my wife, uh, Jess, who has many monikers that, you know, that's kind of where a lot of this came from is I learned by working with her in the sync and licensing community where like that she was creating monikers based on because she was writing in different genres and to not confuse music supervisors, she'd be like, no, Laces is my, like my main artist project. Jay Pone is kind of like a dark pop thing. Like she's like, I can do all these things, but like, we weren't doing it for Spotify purposes. And then we started to realize that we, like, we had backed into this like benefit on streaming. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you know, she had all these producer projects, but you know, Laces is her main project, but she has a day job. She has to have a day job to be able to pay for all the music that she wants to create and release. and right. market. It. But it's like, that doesn't leave her a lot of time to say, go on tour six months a year.
1: Right. right? Wait, so like, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about. Yeah, no, totally. I get it. Like one, why aren't you waterfalling anymore? If you just said that the release radar benefits uh, and release radar um, actually benefits
0: you if you do waterfall, why are you not waterfalling? So uh, yeah. So if we were to waterfalls as moving towards Spotify only uh, and it's, it's just workflow, right. It becomes like, it's so much extra time and effort for all parties to essentially set up the waterfalls, maintain the waterfalls, take down the stuff to make sure like the end package is the way you think. And it's like, now we've created all this other chaos. We're like, right. all right, sounds have disappeared from TikTok. We have an yep. issue right now where as we're, water- we're seeing through a few waterfalls that we already started, yep. every time the new waterfall releases, yep. uh, all the previous sounds disappear from Meta.
1: Oh, shit. Dude, it is
0: the biggest nightmare. It's like, all right, oh, cool. God. The new release came, come out, came out and we have to now flag with our distributor and get them all re-delivered. Because for whatever reason, every time it comes out, all the previous sounds disappear. And it's from and like meta,
1: Instagram stories, you can't put a, you, a sound or
0: on reels or whatever. Reels and stories. Yeah. And like oh. Facebook put, like sent an apology to the distributor. Like, yeah, it's a tech issue. It's new. It's a volume issue. We're, we're working on patching it. So sorry. And like they got them up uh, and it yeah. was discoverable. It's like, you yeah. Know, we flag, it comes out on Friday. We flag it. They don't get it back up till Monday or Tuesday. You miss right. that entire like push. The artist is bummed because they feel like, you know, that's the, one of the only ways they know how to promote their music. Right. Um, so it started to become just like, man, I'm at a certain level. Waterfalling doesn't seem to provide a lot of return. Okay. Right. I've, I've been finding that with artists that have like six figures of monthly listeners or like 50, like Let's say like twenty thousand or more followers. It's like the need for waterfalling kind of wanes. I find it to right. be more successful with newer projects when you're trying to gain momentum. And like okay. I'm still very like, hey, this is a really great for you to kind of come out of the gate and develop uh, followers and streams quicker. And As okay. like kind of a, we call it the algorithmic hack, but within the terms and conditions. Um, and like the the problems for them aren't as magnified as it is for artists who have been doing it a lot longer with a much bigger fan base sure a marketable fan base so it's like that's kind of it's it's a it's a this is my manager brain now talking not my distributor brain right. It's like it's it's beca- there's not a lot of roi for a lot of the more established artists to waterfall anymore if you go and actually look at the results too it's like they're becoming more and more negligible the bigger the artist becomes
1: yeah so let's talk let's talk with your manager brain on um how are you approaching (laughs) release schedules with the artists that you manage and uh you know feel free to use your names or not uh anonymously whatever you want but like talk to me about like some levels of these artists and and you know and and just how you approach release release schedules with them
0: yeah so uh i'll speak generally so we start uh Most artists, like I want everyone, every artist has to kind of check off this box. Like, did you, have you released consistently every four to six weeks for 18 to 24 months? Like kind of want everyone to go through this, to trigger the algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to shock the system and get it working in our favor. And then we can look at the results and then decide how we're going to go. So, um, once we can get through about two years of consistent releasing, and so where do all these numbers come from, right? Like four weeks, we talked about Spotify operates on a 28-day cycle. Like they need creatives to be pumping music in every 28 days uh, to ensure that their customers are getting new music every Friday, right? So that is important to Spotify. That's why they wrote it. That is the business model. So we have to acknowledge it whether we like it or not. If you want Spotify to work for you, you kind of got to follow the rules. You don't have to. You just want to release an album once a year, drop it all at once. That's your, that's up to you. But if you're looking for growth uh, and you're looking for um, to, to, to build a career and to build brand recognition on Spotify, you got to play by their terms and conditions and releasing every 28 days is one of them. That's hard. Most artists don't have the bandwidth financially or emotionally, or even just the time to do that. That's very expensive. And that's, that four weeks turns around really quickly. So You don't, we see, you don't see a huge trail off on weeks five and six, right? If it's like a, if it's like a, a, a graph, it's like uh, at four weeks, you have all, all the momentum and then it kind of peaks, right? And then if you're not releasing at five weeks, it starts to like come down six weeks, it comes a little more, the longer you wait, the longer the tail is, and then it kind of flattens out. But if you keep releasing, you can kind of see your numbers, like I say, grow, it grows linearly. And like we see a trend that like at the 18 to 24 month, 24 month mark, you start to see it switch to more algorithm, exponential growth, like an exponential curve. So a linear curve being a straight line an exponential curve being a curved line. So you see that exponential growth trigger at about the 18 to 24 month mark. So I try to get my management clients to adhere to releasing every four to six weeks for about two years, just to jumpstart their algorithm. And let's say we get through that two years, we then look at, all right, is this working? Meaning, have we hit that exponential growth mark? Are we seeing it grow? Are we getting more followers, monthly listeners, streams, saves? If it's a yes, cool. Maybe we can start putting a little more buffer in between the releases. And maybe we're going every six to eight weeks now. Because now the algorithm is working for us. And we can start to... uh, put a little more time between releases and put a little more of our resources into promoting the releases and giving them a longer tail uh, and not have to be switching as as frequently because now the algorithm is working in our favor. And I've seen as you get more followers and monthly listeners, you can put more and more time in between those releases. Like Taylor Swift can just drop an album every other year if she wants. And her numbers are going to go up because she has, the biggest audience. She has a strong algorithm. Uh, So that's kind of what we've been seeing and and how I'm trying to encourage my management clients come out of the gate. But at the same time, we have to live at the margin and within reason Uh, finances are really difficult. It costs an average of like $5,000. A single to pay your producers, pay your mixer, pay mastering, pay a designer to do artwork. Um, so if you're releasing every four weeks, that's $60,000 a year that you're investing into your artist uh, career. Plus, you know, they said like the, 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 what's the line? It's like $70,000. It's kind of like, I don't want to say the poverty line, but it's kind of like the, that is kind of like the base level that you need for food, clothing, and shelter, according to the LA Times and their partners to even exist in Los Angeles. So now you're at $130,000 a year to just get by and to pay for all your masters. And let's say you need a, a marketing budget and like money to eat out or to go to the movies. Now you're looking at like, maybe you need 150 to $200,000 a year to exist as an independent artist in Los Angeles, right? So it's not possible, right, for most artists. So like we, again, I say, we gotta live at the margins. I'll usually advise my clients. It's like, here's what we need to try to do. So a lot of times we'll just stop and we'll front load a ton of content, like six to 12 months worth of releases. And then as that's releasing, We'll go back and get the next six to 12 months in line so we don't run out and we can get into this like perpetual cycle where they're not exhausted emotionally, physically, and financially.
1: Whew. <laughs> Whew. All right, Ryan, I've uh, I've had you here. Uh, this has been so jam-packed <laughs> and incredible. Uh, we've learned so much. Um, I can't believe we packed so much into this episode. Uh, you've, you've really uh, and uh, revealed a lot of secrets here. So I have one final question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, uh, full disclosure, I will say Jessie brought this up because she's like, oh, it's such an interesting question. It's so hard to answer on the spot. So I had some time right. to think about this. Uh, and I personally, like, let's say when I was operating as a side musician in New York City, right? So I was a side musician for about 10 years to me at that time making it was paying my bills solely for music income, which is like a very altruistic thing that I think a lot of musicians go through like that day when I'm cost neutral and paying everything just from cr- creative work. And like, that was awesome. And I got to do that. Uh, but once I checked that box, I kind of lost the fire to be uh, a side musician. It's like, man, it's just, I'm not seeing the the future. Like I'm, the wages aren't changing. There's no back end. Yeah. Like my friends are like, you know, making tons of money, like writing songs and other things. I was just a drummer and it's like playing on records, I get royalties, but like touring musicians, that's it. Yeah. Like the pandemic taught us all those lessons. So like I started pivoting. So I got into the music business side. So now what does it mean on the other side of the aisle from creative to like a entrepreneur business side? Like I feel like I'm, making it like i don't think i've made it on the business side Mm -hmm. yet i feel like it took me about until now so seven years to fully reprogram everyone from my past that like i don't work as a drummer anymore like i I, no joke i was still getting texts last year from like wedding bands in new york like hey bro uh we're way down on the sub list can you do this (laughs) wedding in syracuse and i was like. If you want to fly me in my gear from LA and pay me a sick rate, like I'll consider it. But uh, so I feel like I'm just starting to get identified as a music business professional. And I think, you know, Jesse and I talk a lot about like our ultimate goal is to make the industry more equitable for those who are marginalized the most. So women, queer and uh, BIPOC artists. So I think we'll feel like we've made it as a company when we actually start to see and feel real change for those marginalized communities like that is kind of our overall arching goal and we tend to mostly work with women queer and bipoc artists so that is our passion project and uh that is what i think we need to feel like we're succeeding
1: ryan vaughn thanks so much it's
0: great all right you're the best dude
1: Today's episode was edited by Mikey Evans with music by Brassroots District and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out (laughs) distrokid.com.